Welcome to the I Am In podcast. We are excited to announce that this summer, 2022, we will be recording our weekly summer speaker each Wednesday night at the Boise Institute. We will hear messages from various individuals sharing their life story in front of a live audience of young adults. Each speaker will share key times that God manifest Himself and prevailed in their life. It's the reason they continue to say, I am in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am Michelle Burke, the host of the I Am In podcast and an instructor at the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. Brother Will Johns has lived the majority of his life in Idaho and enjoys the outdoors and beauty of his home state. As a young man growing up, he was not raised in a religious household, and it wasn't until at 17 a group of friends invited him to church. That invitation eventually led to an invitation to be baptized. His baptism changed the trajectory of his life and became the start of a journey that has brought him many great blessings. Will and Allie were married on August 18, 2011. He considers this day one of the highlights of his life. Brother Johns and Allie are the parents of four boys. After majoring in exercise science, Brother Johns intended on going into the medical field and began chiropractic school in San Francisco, California. After nine months, a spiritual prompting came to teach seminary, and after some hesitation, a lot of conversation, and diligent prayer, Brother Johns and Allie decided to drop out of medical school and return to Idaho. He began the journey of becoming a seminary teacher. He has since completed a master's degree at Boise State University in education, curriculum, and instruction, and is blessing the lives of youth and young adults at both seminary and institute classes in the Treasure Valley. Thank you all for being here. It's, uh, it's an amazing uh, experience to come and be with you. Um, many of you I know from past experience or past classes, and some of you I was your seminary teacher and now have taught you an institute, and um, it's so good to see you. Uh, I apologize. I normally like to sing the hymns really loud, as some of you may know. I, I don't sing them good, but I sing them loud, and um, I realized they were recording me for a podcast. <laughs> I thought, I better not sing because uh, no one will listen to this episode if that's the first thing they hear. So um, I didn't sing. That's okay. So uh, a little thing just I want to share with you guys. I am grateful for your example to me over the last few years. I've had the opportunity to teach here at Institute for about two or three years now and had uh, such an amazing experience. You have taught me so much and um, I am grateful for your example. Um, as always has been in my life, the Lord has been a huge guide in my life, and uh, I've followed whatever direction He's wanted me to go. And about six months ago, my wife and I kind of had the feeling we needed to move, so we were prompted to move to Middleton, and uh, we did, and we love it. And um, a few months later, they've now asked me to teach at Middleton, so I'll now become the principal of Middleton Seminary, and uh, which is a great thing for me and my family, but unfortunately, I won't get to be with you as much, and I'll miss that. And so... Um, I'm just grateful for you, and, and I'll miss you uh, not being here as much. Um, the Lord has funny plans as well. I, I was asked to teach at Middleton, and two weeks later, the stake executive secretary called and said, hey, we need to meet with you, and just this past Sunday, they put me in the bishopric, and I thought, oh, man. So um, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. So people were saying to me at church on Sunday, some were saying congratulations, and some were saying my condolences, and I haven't figured out which one. So, yeah. <clears throat> 
Um, I, uh, being the final speaker, I spoke, uh, I think not too long ago in the Friday Forum, and um, the topics and, and kind of how it runs is a little bit similar to this, and so I didn't want to sit up here in front of you for half an hour and beat a dead horse. So I've decided to take a little bit different direction, um, and, and I do feel passionate that this is what the Lord needs me to share with you guys tonight. So to start, I'm going to start kind of being a little bit vulnerable with you guys. Some of you know my history, some of you don't, but... Uh, I grew up in a home that uh, not members of the church. I can remember clearly when I was five years old, uh, my parents getting divorced. I remember my dad walking out of the house um, and watching him drive away. And I remember my heart being broken uh, to watch my dad drive away. And uh, that at my point in my life kind of um, created some anxiety for me and uh, started a journey of some mental struggles that I've dealt with throughout my life, kind of on and off. And, um, and that kind of started my, my journey as a child of experiencing kind of loneliness and feeling like I've lost my dad, I've kind of my family's in, in shambles, and uh, it was really hard. And so um, my mom shortly thereafter married a man, and uh, I think with the, great of, uh, with the best of intentions, and um, unfortunately, in that circumstance, uh, he, he became abusive and was an alcoholic. And um, I witnessed a lot of things that, that a five and six and seven year old shouldn't have to see in their life. And that, again, brought more turmoil to my life. As an eight year old, I uh, made the decision that I was going to move in with my dad. And um, it was court ordered that my parents had 50-50 custody. But I just said to both my parents, I'm, I'm going to move in with my dad and I'm not going back. And uh, fortunately, my parents allowed me to do that. Um, I lived with my dad, and, and he's a great man. He'll, he'll give you the shirt off of his back. But uh, being a single dad of three crazy kids is a challenging experience. And so my dad was gone a lot. So as a 12-year-old, um, I would say to my dad, hey, I'm going to leave for a couple days. I'll be back in a few days. I'll see you later. And that was back before cell phones. So I just said, I'll be at this person's house if you need me, and I'd be gone for two or three days and I'd come back. And um, the reason I share that with you is I felt like as a child, I kind of just did my own thing. But along with that came a lot of loneliness and a lot of struggle for me uh, mentally. And so um, that brought me into my high school years. And uh, I'll just show you a wonderful picture of, of those days. There's, there's Brother John's in high school. So yes. That, that, uh, that brought me to high school, and um, I got to high school not really sure of who I was and not really sure what my interests were and not really sure where I fit in or where I belonged. Um, a lot of people, when they get to high school, they have a group of friends that they kind of fit right into, and I didn't. Um, so I found myself at lunchtime, I would sit with just all sorts of different people every day and just meet new people, and I didn't really have a group, um, which was kind of cool because I didn't fit into like a clique, but at the same time, I kind of felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And that was a struggle for me kind of internally, not feeling like I really belonged anywhere, not feeling like I fit in. Um, prior to these years, uh, just also going back a little bit to middle school, um, I had a lot of terrible experiences with bullying in middle school. And uh, I'll never forget a time my brother, my brother found out I was getting bullied a little bit. And so one time he set up this whole thing, he hid behind a car and this kid started kind of picking on me and my brother just jumped out with a magazine and smashed him over the head and said, don't you ever pick on my brother again. And uh, that kid tried to be my best friend from then on. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was nice. But um, so I got to high school and uh, I didn't feel like I had a group. And um, so I had this friend, kind of, we were acquaintances, and he said, hey, you should join a musical. And I thought, nope, <laughs> I don't sing, I don't dance, I don't act. 
nope, I'm not doing it. And uh, he said, well, there's cute girls. And I said, okay, sign me up. <laughs> so, so he signs me up and um, I get there and I told the lady that was over the thing, I just said, hey, listen, I don't sing or dance, but I can build stuff. Let me build your set. And she's like, well, if you're gonna build a set, you have to be in the play. So 15 minutes later, I was singing in front of people, and uh, it was not great, but they had a shortage of males, and uh, they needed someone, so they threw me in the play, and, and it was a good time. So I got into Oklahoma, and uh, didn't have any sort of lead role, but just kind of got into this play. So I got into that play, and I, I came across a group of uh, LDS kids, and um, I didn't really know what that was a whole lot. They just called themselves Mormons. And so they were so nice to me. Um, in fact, uh, I, I just said, you know, why are you guys so nice? And they're like, we're Mormons. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I don't know what that means. And um, so I kind of just almost assumed for a minute that it was like, not like a gang, but like this little like group of people, right? And so I just decided I'm going to be a Mormon. And so I would go to high school teachers and be like, yeah, I'm a Mormon. And they're like, okay, why are you telling me? So... I'm like, I'm with them, they're awesome. And um, I finally started to feel at that time in my life that, um, that, I, find, that, that I finally found a group of people that, that cared for me and loved me and made me feel like I had a sense of belonging and uh, helped me to really discover who I was and find a sense of purpose in my life. And so um, as we joined, as we started this, this musical Oklahoma, um, I, I started to notice that backstage, well, first thing I noticed was that 95% of the cast was LDS. And so I just made the assumption that all Mormons sing and dance, and, um, which kind of is true. And, um, and, but there was about a handful of, there was about five Nazarenes that were in the musical. And, and Nazarenes sometimes tend to maybe not have the best of feelings towards LDS people. And so they're just arguing backstage. And, and I just said, what are you arguing about? And they, they said, they don't believe in the same Jesus. And I'm like, well, you're both saying Jesus, so it sounds good to me. <laughs> and um, so I hadn't really done much church stuff, but, uh, but these LDS kids said, well, come to church this Sunday and find out what we believe. And I said, okay, fine, pick me up. And um, along came the big suburban full of kids, and <laughs> I get in the back, and I look like this. I had long hair, and I wasn't wearing a white shirt and tie and did not fit the mold. Um, but I, I remember I got in the suburban, and we drove to church. And I'll never forget the day I walked into the church building. It was in South Nampa. And uh, I walked in and felt immediately a feeling that I hadn't felt before. And, um, and this, this sweet lady came up to me and she said, welcome, it's so good to see you. We're so grateful you're here. And I went to all three hours of church. At the time it was three hour church. And um, went to all three hours. I got to the priest quorum. It was 18 priests in the ward, which was awesome. And I knew all of them from school and just had this amazing experience. So I went back the next week, we got back to the play, we got back to Oklahoma, we're starting to rehearse, and these LDS kids immediately go, well, how did you like church? And I said, it was amazing. And they said, okay, well, now you've been to church, now you got to meet with the missionaries. And I said, okay, I don't know what that is, but sounds good, let's do it. So three days later, I was meeting with missionaries, and two and a half weeks later, I was baptized. Um, so it went really quick. And then a year and a half later, I served a mission. Um, so really quick. But... Um, I tell you this background because sometimes in life, we feel like we don't fit in. We feel like we don't belong. We feel like we're different. And for me, uh, coming to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I looked different 
coming to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I had drank uh, coffee since I was three years old. I had uh, learned a lot of swear words in my life. <laughs> and coming into the church, I did not fit whatever this mold is or this stereotype that we may assume we have. But I felt like I belonged. I felt the Spirit of the Lord, and I felt the love of those around me that helped me to feel like I had a place of belonging. So I want that to be the preface of tonight. If you don't feel like you belong, or if you don't feel like you fit in, or if you don't feel like you fit this ideal mold of what a member of the church should look like or act like or be like, this is for you. If you do feel like you fit in or you do feel like you have a place, maybe this is for you to have a different perspective that may help somebody else. So keep that in mind as we, as we go through tonight. The other day, um, when we moved to Middleton, we bought some land and we're surrounded by land. And the other day I was walking down, that was a couple weeks ago now, but I was walking down the dirt road and I saw this. And uh, I saw this donkey just right in the middle of these horses. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. And, uh, and then I thought, man, I feel like the donkey sometimes. Like, I don't fit in. I don't look like them. And I don't act like them. But, but yet somehow I still feel like I belong here. And uh, so I want you to think, is there ever been a time in your life when you felt like maybe the donkey in this picture? Like you're surrounded by people, but you just don't feel like you fit. That is how I felt a lot in my life. And even sometimes as a seminary teacher, um, I'm surrounded by these great men, Brother Diebel and Brother Edwards and all these great people. And sometimes I don't feel like I fit. I feel like I'm a little different. And um, so I felt this many times in my life. And so I just thought about that the other day is how many of us have ever felt this? So in thinking about this, um, there is a man by the name of Chad Webb, who I love. He is uh, over all of seminary and institutes. And he gave us a talk recently, and they did a lot of research to find out why are young single adults and why are seminary students not enrolling or not coming? Why, what's the deal here? And one of the big things they found was this. He said a large portion of those who are not currently enrolled in seminary and institutes still feel like they don't belong. Many of them reported that seminary and institute classes are only for what they see as perfect Latter-day Saints who have never had problems or questions. This false perception causes them to believe they don't fit in. Some even feel that if they ask a sincere question or share a heartfelt perspective, they will be judged or thought of as less than faithful. They also said they would be more likely to attend if it were a place where everyone was welcome regardless of inward faith or outward, um, outward appearance. As uh, Brother Webb taught this, I got to thinking about it. What is it that makes young single adults not feel like they fit? What is it that makes them feel like they don't belong? And he kind of indicated a few things here, but that really made me think about this. Why is it that we don't feel a sense of belonging sometimes? If this is the Lord's true church, and we really believe that it says right on the front of our church buildings that all visitors are welcome, why is it that sometimes we don't feel like we belong? And there's many things that may be attributed to that, but I just started to think about that. And so um, I started to dive in and started to kind of wonder about certain things. And so I found some really amazing talks that, uh, that I started to go through. And this is a quote that I found from Elder Holland that I just loved. On those days when we feel a little out of tune, a little less than what we think we see or hear in others, remember it is by divine design that not all the voices in God's choir are the same. It takes variety to make rich music. <laughs> I want you to think about that for just a second. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, does the Lord want us all to be the same 
Or is it our unique talents, gifts, and abilities that really make his gospel and this plan of salvation what it, what it truly is? God is our creator. He created you. Your uniqueness is what is going to enable you to gather Israel. You being you and being true to yourself is going to bless somebody's life and bring them to Christ. If we all were trying to be the same person, we wouldn't be able to reach all of God's children. You were created with your gifts and abilities and your talents to prepare the world for Jesus Christ's return. And if you weren't who you were, you wouldn't be able to effectively do that work. As I alluded to earlier in my life through some of the struggles and challenges that I've been through, um, I've struggled a lot through mental illness and things like that. But what I found is because now I have that perspective, my empathy towards that has tremendously increased and my ability to assist others who are suffering with the same thing has drastically improved. The Lord is now putting people in my path who've experienced similar things. And now God's given me a gift to be able to bring them to Christ. So your trials, whether they be mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever your trial may be, or whatever gifts you may have, are the unique things that God has given to you to assist in this work of gathering Israel. So remember that who you are is exactly who you need to be, and you're all needed in God's choir. So to finish this quote, he says this, <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father delights to have us sing in our own voice, not someone else's. Believe in yourself and believe in him. You are unique. You are irreplaceable. The loss of even one voice diminishes every other singer in this great mortal choir of ours. I thought about this and that phrase, the loss of even one voice diminishes every other singer. Heavenly Father needs you. He needs your voice to be a part of this choir. And when we lose one of you, it diminishes our ability. It diminishes our power. We need you. The Lord needs you. Wherever you're at, whether you're involved in hardships and trials and sin or whatever it may be, wherever you're at, he needs you. And he needs your voice in this choir. So I wanted to have a little bit of fun with you tonight. I don't know if this is the right setting, but we're going to do it anyways because that's always fun. So we're going, to have a, we're going to start a choir real quick. So if you'll just stand up. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we're going to sing together. That's all right. We need you. Come on. We need you. Eric, we need you. Stand up, brother. You want to sing? I am in Okay. You guys ready? We're going to become a choir tonight. Okay. And we're going to sing a song together. It's going to be really good. Okay. And it's called I Am a Child of God, which all of you probably know. Okay. But I want you guys to sing in your best voice tonight. And I don't mean, that doesn't mean a good voice, but your best voice, whatever it is. Okay. And I want you to sing in your most reverently boisterous way, if that can go in the same sentence. Okay. I want it to be, I want it to, I want to feel the power of your singing tonight. Okay. 
So we're gonna sing this verse together real quick. Do a really good job, okay? And uh, and then we'll 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 work on our skills here in just a minute, okay? So on the count of three, we're gonna sing. Huh? I don't know what the starting note is. I do. Okay, you do. Good, brother. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. I am a child of God. given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. Lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way. Teach me all that I must do. To live with him someday. That was pretty good. Okay, let's have let's have this side sit down. Let's have this side sit down. Yeah. Let's have let's have all of you just sit down real quick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is our new choir, just the standing people, okay? Pay attention, see if you notice anything different, okay? All right, you guys ready? You guys got this. There's some good singers in this group, I already know, okay? One, two, three, go. Feels like it got louder. Does it sound louder? Why? That's not how it should be. How did you feel? <laughs> that was awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Becca, what did you notice? <clears throat> I got a little quieter. That's good. What else? What else did we notice, brother? It's a little harder to sing confidently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way for a duet. Totally. <laughs> that was pretty good. You guys were rocking it. Brother Edwards, did you feel that? I did. There was some serious support there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <clears throat> Brother Debo, what'd you notice? There's power in uh, in the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome too. There was a yeah. change in the, in the mood when we were all collectively doing it. So it Yeah. Great. What do you think what is that change? What is that difference, do you think? I think there's power in that unity. Yeah. I think we all felt I, I like this comment. I think we felt more confident. I, I don't have, I've been a little asked about the words multiple times publicly, but I felt more confident <laughs> with everyone else's support to sing a little louder. If I was in Jim's shoes, 
I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Brother Devil, stand up. Stand up, Brother Devil. No, I'm just kidding. You're good. You're good. Okay. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I love that. Thank you. There is power. There is power with, with the full choir. And when we start to lose voices, we start to lose power. Now, Brother Edwards, he is a powerful man. Um, and his voice is needed. But he needs all of us surrounding him to bring that confidence and that power that comes with having a group. Um, I testify that when we lose one voice, that it's noticed. That God's choir is not the same. We need your voice. The Lord needs it to create that power and confidence within each other and to gather the Lord's children for his return. We need each of you. Okay. So just a few thoughts. Um, we don't have time for this tonight, but if you want to take a picture of this, you can, or if not, that's okay too. But uh, I just thought of some scriptural accounts of people who maybe didn't feel like they fit in or didn't feel like they belonged. And so a few of those up here. Um, remember the man at the pool of Bethesda. There's a picture over here. And uh, this man spent 38 years at the pool of Bethesda waiting to be healed. And for how many of those 38 years did people just walk right by him? down into the pool of Bethesda, right? And the Savior finally comes after 38 years and heals him. So possibility that for 38 years, he didn't really feel like he fit in or belonged a whole lot. Um, the woman caught in adultery, we all know that story, where these people just come and bring this woman and say, let's stone her, let's kill her, okay? She probably didn't feel in that moment that she fit in. Was she committing sin? Of course. Did she fit in in the Lord's kingdom? Yes, but she probably didn't feel that way. But the Lord still needed her in his choir, okay? The woman at the well is another good story. And uh, Christ eating with the publicans and sinners, I just love that story, which reminds me that uh, in the church, this is a quote that I love, but uh, the church is not a country club for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And um, this is applicable to not just sin. This can be mental uh, illness. This can be emotional illness. This can be anything that you're going through. But this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a hospital for those in need of healing. And that was God's intent when he organized this church here upon the earth, is to have us have a place to be able to come and be healed, a place where we fit in and belong. So I don't care how much you've sinned, I don't care what your experiences are in life, this is the place of healing for you. Jesus Christ is the source of all healing, and this is his church. And we invite all of you to come to be healed. No matter what you look like, no matter what you talk like, no matter what experiences you've had, this is the source of healing. Okay? So, um, to kind of wrap things together today, uh, this is Elder Holland in that same talk, and I just love this. He says, There is room for those who speak different languages, celebrate diverse cultures, live in a host of locations, the single for the married, the large families, and for the childless, those who once had questions regarding their faith, and for those who still do, those with differing sexual attractions, there is room in this choir for all who wish to be here. Come as you are. I remember a time, and I'm going to be vulnerable with you again, but I remember a time I turned 18. Um, I, well, I joined the church when I was 17. I turned 18. As soon as I was 18, I went to the singles ward, and, um, and I, I started to do that, and it was fun. Um, but if I'm being honest and I'm being vulnerable with you guys, I wasn't making the best choices in my life. 
In fact, unfortunately, as I look back, and I hope this doesn't make you feel any different way towards me, but a large, a, lot, a large part of the sins that I committed in my life, I did after I joined the church. And I don't know why I did that. But as a 17 and 18 year old young man, I made some pretty poor decisions. And uh, there was some times where um, I specifically rem remember feeling like, man, should I even go to this? I don't feel like I'm worthy to go to this. I remember specifically our singles ward decided to go on a trip to Salt Lake City and we were going to go to a pageant down there. We were going to go to Lagoon and we were going to go to the temple. And I remember feeling before I left on that trip, man, I don't know if I should go because what am I going to do when everyone goes to the temple? If I don't feel like I'm worthy to be there, maybe I should just not go. But I decided to go anyways. And uh, I got to, the, got to Utah. We had a great experience. We went to Lagoon. It was so fun. We got to this pageant and the next day we were supposed to go to the temple the next morning. And I remember sitting there watching this Utah pageant thing and thinking, what am I going to do? Am I just going to go anyways? I don't want to be the outcast, but what should I do? I remember feeling the spirit come to me very clearly and uh, said, go, to your, go talk to your bishop. He'll understand. I went to this man. He was my favorite, one of my favorite people. Some of you in here may know him. His name is Chris Nordfeld and uh, one of my favorite people on the earth. And I went to him, I said, Bishop, I don't know if I should go to the temple tomorrow. I'm not feeling good about it. And he said, that's totally okay. He said, stay in your hotel room. We'll go to the temple. When we're done, we'll come back and pick you up. When we get home on Sunday, you and I can chat. I said, okay, it sounds good. Well, that next morning I, I woke up and all my roommates that were in my hotel room, they all got dressed and they all went to the temple. And I remember sitting there feeling like, man, I wish I was worthy to go. <clears throat> but I'll tell you this, when those people got back from the temple, I felt such a, such a feeling of love from them. There was no judgment. There was only love. That Sunday I went to the bishop's office and my life was changed. That Sunday I received the revelation that I should serve a mission. That Sunday began the process of my repentance. That Sunday began the journey for the rest of my life because of the love that I felt from Jesus Christ and from those around me. I wasn't worthy at the time, but I still felt that I belonged and I still chose to go to Christ. So whatever your circumstances, if you don't feel worthy, if you don't feel like you fit in, this is, this is the Savior's place to be healed. I invite all of you as a, as a group to never judge each other but to always love each other. I've noticed in the culture of the church sometimes, we believe in the two great commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor, but sometimes the two great commandments that we live in our culture are to love God and to judge thy neighbor, or to love God and to change thy neighbor. The reality is it's to love God and to love thy neighbor. No one will ever change if they don't know we love them first. Love is the key ingredient to change and to becoming like Jesus Christ, okay? So in closing tonight, um, <clears throat> one final thought here. There's a lot of other things, but we'll get to the end here. This picture I showed you in the beginning <clears throat> that is such a just random picture and you guys are probably going like, okay, it's a weird picture or whatever, but to me it's meant a lot. Because as I thought about this many times, I told you guys, I have sometimes felt like I'm the donkey in this picture. 
But as I pondered this, and as I thought about this, and as I, and as I really went into the thought process of this, it occurred to me <clears throat> that even though maybe I am the donkey sometimes, that the Lord still has a need and a work for me to do. And then I remembered that when the Savior triumphantly came into Jerusalem, that it was the donkey that he rode in on. A king would have rode in on horses. A king would have rode in on chariots. But he came, on, he came in, on a hum, in a humble situation on a donkey. When we feel like we don't fit in, the Lord has a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. He needs us and he will use us just how we are. As odd or different as we may be, he's got a great purpose and a work for us. I testify of that and know that to be true. He loves you. You are his. And he loves you where you are. And he wants to help you to progress forward and become more like him. You belong. Your voice is needed. And I testify of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.